0: Hi, this is Dr. Neil Sivilla, and my conversation for this episode is with Dr. Leon Sperlich. She's a 1988 Washington State University grad in veterinary medicine. Um, She purchased a practice a few years later, a small animal, conventional small animal practice, and then started pursuing uh, holistic training. She was certified through uh, IVIS for acupuncture and then went on to the Qi Institute and has been certified in uh, herbal medicine. Food Therapy, Twina, and she's also attended uh, Options for Animals and is certified in uh, animal chiropractic through them. We talk about her integrated practice in the Tacoma, Washington area and how she's actually got a small satellite clinic where she does holistic therapy only and how that figures into her um, workflow as well. She also does some charity work for low-income clients, and we talk about that and how she incorporates some of her holistic modalities into that work as well. She's a lifelong learner. Uh, we talk about uh, some of those extra things that she's she's pursued uh, most recently, uh, a bit of a deep dive into classical Chinese medicine with a, a local expert there in the Whidbey Island. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Leon Spurlik. Hey, it's Dr. Neil Civilla, Just wanted to apologize for some of the audio quality toward the end of the episode. The computer software wanted to put uh, some of my questions right on top of Dr. Spurlick's answers. It, you can still make out what we're saying. I apologize for the inconvenience. Um, I think you'll enjoy the episode. Thanks. Dr. Spurlick, thanks for joining me.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me.
0: So you're born in Montreal.
1: I Oui, je suis né à Montréal. <laughs> um,
0: and at, at what point you, you wrote me that your parents introduced you to, to uh, yin and yang at an early age?
1: Well, that was me being a little facetious because I grew up with a, a German dad, very practical and straightforward and a very colorful French-Canadian mother. And later in life, I learned that those two forces might look opposite, but they're very complementary, and uh, uh, I guess that's what yin and yang are about, too. So.
0: Sure. So how did they meet?
1: Um, they uh, were introduced by by friends at a party there in Montreal. My dad was a, an immigrant from uh, Czechoslovakia, and my mom was born in Montreal, and they uh, met in Montreal, and, and the rest is history.
0: Wow. So did you grow up right in the city then?
1: Um, I was, uh, my brother and I were born in uh, Montreal. And when I was about one year old, we moved to the United States to Detroit, Michigan. So I actually grew up mostly in the United States.
0: So uh, what what part of Detroit were you in?
1: We were uh, just outside of uh, Detroit in Royal Oak, Michigan, a really beautiful, older neighborhood, um, lots of big trees and Really lovely, lovely, nice Midwestern people who took in an immigrant family and their little kids and just showed us what life in the United States was like and introduced us to all sorts of foods that were unfamiliar to my parents and took us camping and got us involved in scouts and all those things. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was a really welcoming neighborhood.
0: Uh, Detroit's got a, a great ethnic mix, doesn't
1: it? Um yeah, I sure have not lived in lived there in years. I've lived most of my life here on the West Coast, but um uh yeah, it was it was a great place to be a little kid, that's for sure.
0: So what at what point did you end up on the West Coast then?
1: Uh around about 1975, we moved to the strange territory of Huntington Beach, California in Orange County, and that was a big change from the Midwest. Um but I met some really great people there. Again, I was, I was pretty young. My brother and I were pretty young. And we were there about three years. And then uh, the Fates uh, orientes, oriented us up here to the Pacific Northwest, which is my home now. And I really love it here, um, Tacoma, Washington.
0: So how about how old roughly were you when you moved to the Northwest? Then?
1: About 16 and instantly fell in love with the forests and the trees and the beautiful water. It's It's just gorgeous up here.
0: At what point did veterinary medicine come into, into the mix?
1: Oh, we have to back up to when I first decided I was going to be a veterinarian at, I don't know, maybe six or seven years of age. Um, I was set on that from a very young age, and oddly, I had some pretty bad allergies, so we had uh, goldfish as pets. My brother and I couldn't have anything with fur or feathers in the house. Uh, we were allergic to everyone else's uh, pets, but... I decided maybe because of that, that I was going to be a veterinarian. So I've been wanting to do this my entire life.
0: Okay. So WSU is your first choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Because I was a Washington state resident by then. So I definitely went to WSU and was probably my only choice. uh, 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 Living here in Washington state seemed seemed pretty obvious to me at the time.
0: Yeah. There wasn't a lot of, uh, um, that was my experience too. Just you didn't. There weren't other options to be an out-of-state student. Really, there weren't that many seats at other schools. So it was either, you know, your own school or you did Well, didn't and go. for
1: me, it was a financial decision too. Um, I was fortunate that scholarships and my parents' hard work paid for my school. So I went to WSU. Uh, two years of undergrad, four years of vet school, and I was out. And I was really lucky to have um, some financial help, um, some scholarships, and uh, but most of all, my, my parents. So uh, I was a really lucky kiddo. Graduated when I was twenty four from the Washington State School of Veterinary Medicine.
0: So two years of undergrad—that's that's really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I um, I'm I'm lucky. I was on the fast track there. But I I tell kids that um, come and talk to me to not be in too big a hurry to get through undergrad. Uh, for us financially, or for me financially, that was really great. But there's a lot of growing up and exploring that one gets to do in undergrad. So um, that's that's always worthwhile taking that time. I, I was pretty driven. I kind of knew what I wanted to do and uh, just decided to get to it. So uh, again, very, very fortunate to be able to get get through all that in six years.
0: It is a bit of a trade-off though, isn't it? You You definitely want to have that time in undergrad to learn different things and maybe explore things away from the sciences. But geez, you know, now with student debt, it's just hard. You know, I think some of the schools are even leaning toward, you know, getting students back in now after, you know, after two years of undergrad, getting them into vet school just to cut the total cost down. It's just, it is a shame though, that they might miss, like you say, educational opportunities that might make them a little more well-rounded as a person. Yeah.
1: You know, when I, uh, Got into, got accepted at um, as an undergrad. I'd had some advanced placement classes in um, high school, and so that gave me a little edge. I had some school credit. Nowadays, you've got running start here in Washington State, which really helps kids get a little bit ahead. But you also have to be able to explore what you want to do. I hadn't even declared a major when I got into, uh, got accepted at, uh the veterinary school, but I was. Thinking about majoring in French literature, and I just uh, once I got accepted at school, I just dropped that. But I, I think being a well-rounded human being, and not rushing through things, and maybe getting some cr- chance to grow and develop and and uh, explore other areas is is really good. It's it's really terrific.
0: So, and I mean, we should back up. And I mean, being graduating. Debt-free is huge. Now, when you look at the students and they, they graduate with hundreds of thousand dollars worth of debt, that must have really put you in good footing.
1: Right, right. It was. Uh, um, well, I graduated in 1988, so that was some time ago. And certainly, uh, debt loads weren't even uh, uh, very big back then. Nowadays, uh, uh, well, it's got to be tough to have a family, try to find a house and uh, have a job as well.
0: So, when you got accepted, how did you figure you are going to
1: Oh, oh, by then I'd grown out of all my allergies. When I was um, about uh, 16, 17, I started volunteering, then working at a local um, uh, veterinary hospital. And I just dove in as a kennel kid. And well, after all those years of not having cats and dogs, I'm bathing them and Dealing with kennels and things like this, and I was absolutely fine. I wasn't reacting to anybody, so, so I think I grew out of those allergies, or maybe I was just too stubborn to acknowledge them. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Maybe the only thing that bugged me through, uh, through veterinary school was um was uh, alfalfa hay and Timothy hay. If you know being around those those large animals, but I knew that wasn't the way I was going to go. I was going to go the pet animal. Um, route. So it didn't didn't worry me too much to be out in the barns. That was a lot of fun, especially since I'm such a city kid. I just, I loved being with the large animals because it was so novel to me.
0: Sure. So how many were in your, roughly were in your Um, vet school class?
1: We, at that time we incorporated some of the other uh, um, surrounding states. So a little bit under a hundred, about half were were women? women at that time. Yeah. Things have changed since then, haven't they? As as they should. So we're getting a lot more women uh, veterinary clinic owners, and a lot more women in the sciences, and that's all good. That's great.
0: I mean, we graduated the same year, and I believe my class was closer to seventy-five or eighty percent. What veterinary
1: school did you go to?
0: Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. So so you knew it was going to be small animals. So what? So what? And any interest in holistic medicine? No, I really
1: didn't have any exposure. To holistic medicine in school at all, but or before school, I really hadn't thought too much about um, acupuncture or herbal medicine. I was interested in alternative therapies. I went to work at uh, Animal Hospital Parkland, a, a really good AHA hospital in, in South Tacoma, um, first out of school, and then I had an opportunity to buy a friend's clinic, and my husband is an artist. And um, I asked him to create a logo for this hospital, this small animal hospital I was buying, uh, Browns Point Veterinary Clinic. And so he took two of our pets at the time, a black cat and a panther chameleon. And he made a Jin sing- symbol out of the two, the cat and the chameleon curling around each other into this really beautiful yin-yang uh, symbol. And that was rather prophetic because that was in 1996. I bought my hospital and in 1999, I started studying acupuncture with Ivis. So uh, that was uh, kind of fun that he created that symbol for me and it ended up just being a, kind of a banner for me, uh, going getting into alternative therapies.
0: So... Yeah. You were out of practice about eight years before you purchased. Yeah. Okay. And then the practice sale came up. So was it a single uh, solo, yeah, it practitioner a solo practitioner that you purchased from? Um, or how did that work?
1: The previous owner, uh, Louisa Beal, uh, really terrific person in animal behavior. She had um, dis- been teaching and uh, getting into behavior work. So she had several veterinarians um, uh, working for her and uh, she was getting ready to sell. And it was pretty much a one person, fairly small um uh, practice, um, that definitely more of a clinic than a hospital. And so I got on in there and hired a, a part-time person to help me. And uh, then after a couple of years decided I needed, I needed to add to what I was doing. I was interested in in expanding my horizons. And Dr. Patricia Bailey and I uh really, really close. She's the one who suggested, hey, let's, let's get out there and, and start studying animal acupuncture. So uh, she was my inspiration to, to do that.
0: So you've been, you've been on the practice for about three years, it looks like. And so you had a part-time yes. person, so you could have some coverage yes. when you went away. So, and, and did you and yes. Patricia, Patricia um, attend IVIS together?
1: She was uh, just graduating from um, veterinary school. It was a uh, second career for her. And once she was out of school, we went to IBIS to get through Ibis as soon as we could together. In fact, we do all of our continuing education together. But IVUS was, was where we got things started. It was in San Diego. Uh, flying down from the West Coast, that was uh, super easy for me to to get down there uh, as often as one needed to. I didn't mean anybody do a lot of acupuncture. There wasn't really anyone around here until I did my internships that I, or externships rather, that I had seen doing acupuncture. So I was, I was pretty timid, I have to admit.
0: But you were experimenting yes. in between modules and on, on your patient, Yeah. okay. So you were you had the fortitude to start using yeah, it, and, and
1: it was uh, create
0: a pattern, and, you know,
1: easy enough since and, uh, I was the practice, practice. practice owner. That wasn't a hard thing. It's, I think it's tough sometimes for people to try and start using something, uh, a new modality in a practice when they're not the owner, um, and they might have to negotiate. Well, how are we going to fit this in? How is the pricing going to go? Is it going to be worth our while? I didn't have to please anybody but myself, and I right away found out, well, this isn't about making a case, an acupuncture case, or a, or not an acupuncture case. You just start using it on everything, and those kidney failure cats and those limping dogs or whoever, it, it was just uh, great. Uh, one of my first cases that I wrote up um, was a kitty that belonged to my Aikido instructor's uh, daughter, and he brings in this kitty that's just got terrible skin disease and their you know other veterinarian had been trying different things working really hard to try and help this cat for like a seven year history of skin breaking out and the cat being miserable and uh, gosh darn it if uh, me putting needles in once a week didn't completely take away all of the cat's symptoms and she never relapsed and that was one of those moments where you go wow this this stuff really works. Wow. It was just terrific. It was a really good lesson. I do feel sorry for the cat though, because I probably put in every point that was indicated by Ibis for skin disease. And I'm sure I used way too many needles on that poor little animal, but she got better despite my my best efforts. So um, uh, that was a really good wow, teaching great. case for me. Let me also mention that this cat absolutely hated her treatments. And that might've been you know me being a new acupuncturist, but she did not like her car rides. She didn't like going to the veterinary clinic. She didn't like being needled. She didn't like me at all. And I like telling my clients about that case because she actively fought every treatment, and she got better anyway. So that was a kind of an eye popping moment for for me for sure. Like, hey, this 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 stuff works even when the patient is fighting the treatment. So good good lesson for for me as a new acupuncturist oh man
0: yeah that must have been great early on just to see what you could to see what you could handle so when did herbs come into play for you um
1: uh patricia and i went on to uh study advanced acupuncture with the chi institute and that's where i really started digging into um Herbal medicine, but also, uh, Chinese medical theory. Uh, boy, what a great education and, and diving deeper into, uh, TCVM. Uh, so that was some four or five years later, uh, that we, she and I started going flying, flying out to Florida and, uh, getting, uh, advanced, um, acupuncture, uh, certification through Chi. also did their food therapy and twina classes, um, so, the herbal, uh, aspect of things has been a little more challenging for me. I think I do a, uh, fair to good job with that. I'm real confident with my acupuncture, but I'm still working on my, my herbal understanding and continue to reach out in every direction I can for, uh, all of it, actually, continuing education.
0: Did you guys, um, go to there the chief for each of your modules or did you do online any online
1: back then? But we, yeah, we flew to Florida for, for all of that. And that was a, uh, that was a long flight from this corner of the United States, but definitely, uh, well worth, uh, uh, are wild to do that while, during the course of that they established their their uh, teaching facility that they have now it's such a beautiful place when we started they were teaching out of a out of a hotel but uh, of course now they have get, got their uh, really nice uh, teaching facility there in uh Florida
0: yeah it's beautiful um, well that was So when did chiropractic come um, in for you then
1: I'd say within the last uh, five, six years, I had a lot of clients requesting that I get chiropractic certification because we just don't have a lot of folks here up in the Pacific Northwest, although the people we have are fantastic um, uh, uh, practitioners. Uh, So... Uh, I went to options for animals for my uh, chiropractic uh, training. I think there's a lot of good options or good good schools. I I chose that one simply, uh, I think I spoke to you, I spoke to several other people about which uh, course to go with and it ended up being somewhat of a geographic desirability choice because I could fly direct from Seattle to Kansas City um, and that was a real uh, sweet way to get to and from, um, the options for animals, um, uh, uh, place where it's taught. And that was, that was just a great learning experience. You're sitting next to, uh, veterinarians as well as human chiropractors. And that was a really, really good, uh, soup to be in with everyone bringing their knowledge base together. I I thought that was a great, great, um, uh, learning experience. Right. It
0: is kind of unique, right? Because you're sitting next to other health professionals that right.
1: I, yeah, it's, it's, uh,
0: uh, you just don't get that anywhere uh, else.
1: It was such a great learning experience. I thought the the personnel there, uh, were, the teachers were really terrific. Um, but I think the best thing for me was the breaks where I could talk to not only my veterinary colleagues, but to uh, chiropractors and we could just really mix it up. And I think we helped teach each other a lot too. So it was a quite a brilliant, uh, combination. I, I really enjoyed, uh, my experience there, uh, for sure.
0: Do you feel like, uh, it gave you an advantage <sighs> yes, that you had done I the really acupuncture do. training I think, first? I um,
1: having gone through the acupuncture training, not only the opportunity to return to, um, uh, Anatomy and physiology and let's get back into that. We've been out of school for a while so haven't gone through those courses fairly recently but it really helped click everything into place like okay, if I'm hitting T13L1 what, what am I doing from an acupuncture standpoint? So those things have always kind of tied in for me. So anatomy, uh, neurologic pathways, uh, meridians, I like how how all that works together so I'm I'm pleased I did that. I also see though that chiropractic would be really terrific for someone who's got more of a an anatomic frame of reference right? whether they've done like the anatomic acupuncture, neuroanatomic acupuncture courses that would also relate really well for those folks for sure. You know, I may not do a chiropractic adjustment on it, on everybody, uh, but my I find my exams have just uh improved enormously from taking uh, both of these um, complementary therapy uh, approaches. When I'm uh, looking at a patient for a new time, even if it's just a puppy or kitten exam, I've got a lot more tools than I used to have for, for helping me understand what's going on with the body. If it's even it's just a lameness evaluation, and, uh, clients may not know that I'm already tapping into those other frames of reference, and they're usually quite pleased when I start talking in my chiropractic or acupuncture language, like, oh, wow, we're, we're going to learn more about this uh, patient uh, than, they, than they're expecting.
0: Anything else, any other um, modalities in your practice see. that you offer so that we haven't talked about? Start to
1: use herbs more. Um, I, I'm learning more about um, essential oils. Uh, I, I heard Jeffrey Ewan speak uh, about essential oil therapy at, um, uh, I think it was, um, um, The holistic veterinary meeting down in Portland a couple of years ago. So that really picked up my interest in uh, essential oils. So don't don't use a lot of that therapy. I'm starting to tap into that quite a bit as well. And some nutritional therapies, uh, food therapy through the uh, Chi Institute um, is certainly something I talk to all my clients about. My uh, small animal clinic and I have a, a satellite acupuncture clinic, which has been really useful. So when I do have help at my, at my uh, clinic, I can go to my satellite office, which is a beautiful um, office at the back of a pet store um, in downtown Tacoma. And I have a gorgeous view of the city and just about every dog that comes through that, it comes to my clinic there is just delighted because they've just walked through a pet store to get to my office at the back of the store. And so they're all in a good mood. The cats, uh, can be, can be brought around. But anyway, so, uh, my favorite days are when I'm at my, my, uh, um, acupuncture only, uh, office. Of course, I do chiropractic there and nutritional consults as well. So, um, uh, but I do have, um, usually a couple days a week where I'm at that practice. Six years ago now, my um, charity clinic that I helped to run called Noah's Pet Project. It's a vaccine clinic for homeless and low-income families. We had we were about to lose our um, donated space. It was a we were running our free clinic out of a doggy daycare, and the gal was losing her lease. So she gave me a couple months' notice, and before we were going to have to get out of there. And so. This was at a time we'd been running the the charity clinic for about 14-15 years by then and at this point I was having a real hard time finding someone to donate space for me that was winter time and I made a lot of phone calls and got nowhere with finding a new donated space. About that time, I was getting super busy with acupuncture and it occurred to me that maybe I should try establishing a satellite clinic. My hospital is um, in a beautiful geographic location, but it's kind of away from the main downtown area, the big city here in Tacoma. And I thought, well, what would it be like to have a downtown Tacoma office that might double as a site for my uh, charity clinic that I run. So um, started looking for that type of space and went to this particular pet store next to nature is what they're called, uh, independent natural pet food store. And they were in a big warehouse, uh, big old warehouse from like the 1890s. And they had a, a storage space that they weren't using, um, other than for storing some pet food. I was already their veterinarian for their, for their cats. And so I called up the owner and said, Hey, I've got an idea. How about if I take over this end of the building and I want to run an acupuncture clinic out of there. And once a month I'd like to do my charity clinic. And they told me they thought that was a great idea. So I started renting from them when they're in this older building. We've since moved to another, uh, facility. Um, uh, but that's, how I got started with having a satellite clinic. It's because of this charity clinic um, that I want to run. And so that kind of opened the door for me. I think they really liked the idea of community outreach. And that allowed me to kind of build this model where I had a satellite clinic. And it's worked out really well because it's easier to get to than my other clinic. And I have people coming in from out of town. We're just right off the freeway. It's really easy to get to. So that's worked out pretty well. Ideally, yeah, kind of varies.
0: Nice. So two, three days a week, you're over there.
1: Um yeah, we've had to shift yeah. our location. And you're still doing the charity when work. The pet store moved. Uh we I no longer had enough space for the charity clinic, so we're shifting our operations to a local pet food bank who's um who's offered to host us. So I think that's going to work out really well. Oh, the charity clinic
0: so, what sort of things do you yeah. do when you see So, those
1: um, we offer, um, uh, free immunizations and preventative care, such as warming and flea and tick treatments and so forth. And we do a little bit of outpatient, um, uh, you know, skin treatments, uh, uh, ear treatments, et cetera. So, we have some, some medications we can prescribe. Interestingly, too, I've been able to use my, um, my uh, acupuncture prowess by doing some acupuncture with B12. I, I really don't have time at that type of facility to um, do acupuncture. But what I have done is done some B12 injections for animals with hip dysplasia or, gee, here's a neurologic case. The puppy just fell down the stairs. What can I do? Well, let's try some acupuncture. And we do get some donated herbs from and people whose pets have passed away so I've prescribed herbal therapy and so that cheap barefoot medicine has been really good for my my clients who can't afford a neurologic workup or what have you we've been able to in some cases help help out with some uh, with some acupuncture so that's been that's been pretty great. Yeah, it is. It is. I, you know, I don't have the the, that's a great the hour that I'd it? like to have with each patient but you know, maybe we can help them, uh, help that patient with some acupuncture. And one gal who's service dog, a beautiful chocolate lab, we've kept that dog going many, many years because uh, he does have hip dysplasia and he, we've kept him really comfortable with acupuncture. It's, it's been working really well.
0: Oh, that's great. So um, I, I know that oh, you and Patricia just came yeah. back from seeing Dr. Wilms. You want, can you tell me a little bit about so that? That Your foray into um, classical we, Chinese medicine? Um,
1: Heard her on um, Qi Logical, um, another uh, really great uh, podcast, and uh, she wrote a book called Humming with Elephants, and uh, which is a translation of Chapter Five of the Yellow Emperor's uh, Inner Classic, and uh, this was a a book dedicated to discussing um, Yin and Yang, and um, it happens that she lives on Whibby Island, which is here in Washington state. And she offers uh, a variety of classes. She does some teaching. She does a lot of translating and writing and she's not a practitioner herself. She's more of a historian and a translator of Chinese texts, but she does offer um, uh, private tutorials. So Patricia Bailey and I decided to hire her for a weekend and we, went to Whidbey Island here just a couple of weekends ago and spent some time with her talking about the work that she's done and really digging into some super nerdy conversations about the nature of yin and yang and Wow, well, it was it was terrific, especially since we were right there on the water with the Puget Sound and the seals and the birds and so forth. And we were really surrounded by a lot of yin. So we had a we had a really terrific conversation with this with this gal. She's she's uh, amazing, absolutely amazing.
0: That must have been phenomenal. I, I I'm a big fan of her writing, and that that text, the Humming with Elephants of hers, is one that I've read at least two times and probably. I've kind of got it in my head that oh, I should yeah. visit it maybe yeah, once the a year. Yeah, that's a type of book that you can read and you just, over you know, and over and again. just but, glean uh, more
1: and more. It has all these you know. translations or interpretations of these phrases, which are beautiful pieces of practically poetry. And you can just read them and read the interpretations and go, oh, I understand that a little bit more. So that's that's really uh, maybe a lot deeper than I always would, would approach a patient with all those thoughts in my mind. But every time I go through and just read a, a, a passage, I always learn more and more. And she's got a really, really good understanding of, of Chinese medicine. Although again, she's not a practitioner. And boy, was, um, she fun to talk to because she knows a lot about acupuncture. In the human world from having translated all these texts. But she, being a farmer, was super interested in talking to Patricia and I about being veterinarians. And we kind of got into it with, well, there's heaven and there's earth and humans in the middle. And where are animals and all that? And that was a really interesting discussion about where where animals fit into that paradigm and what the traditional Chinese view would be versus what about the modern day? I think most of my my clients would say that animals are probably above humans, closer to heaven than we are, but we could talk about that another time. <laughs> it was a really, it was a really fascinating weekend.
0: I bet it was. That That's kind of a bucket list thing, I think, to be able to spend Pardon? time with oh. her, I would think. So you, you take students. Yeah,
1: I have. I have. Absolutely.
0: Who are looking for, you know, you have students that come to your practice. Well,
1: um, Kind of, it depends on which, which type yeah, so of students. I of certainly have high school out? students that have come and volunteered or just followed me around for a day. And then I've had some, uh, practitioners, in, uh, veterinary practitioners interested in Chinese medicine. And so I've had some folks come and hang out with me and get their hours in and, uh, ask about what I'm doing and follow cases and all that. Um, one of my favorite pieces of advice for, um, people wanting to get into veterinary medicine is the same advice that I was given when I was a 16, 17-year-old kid going into Sacagawea Veterinary Clinic. And uh, Lee Harris, who was the owner of that clinic at the time, said, if you're going to be a pet veterinarian, you're going to want to learn about not only the pets, but their owners, because that's a really important part of being a family veterinarian as you get into the lives of the the humans that are involved and i thought that was really a good advice because it sure does make practice a lot richer and then you get start doing something chinese medicine and well that's that's the entire thing is you you need to immerse yourself in the life of that animal and the people and their entire environment that's surrounding that's that holistic medicine so uh, i always really appreciate that advice. So I, I talk to, especially the youngsters when they come, they want to be a veterinarian and we get to talk about the blood and gore and guts, but there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And what about the humans that are attached to these animals? That's worth thinking about too. Um, for the uh, veterinarians that come and are interested in Chinese medicine, I tell them all about how learning acupuncture has made me a much Better veterinarian. And whether I spend my day doing acupuncture or conventional medicine or doing surgery, I've just really deepened my, my knowledge base um, with learning about acupuncture. And then chiropractic, oh my goodness, my revisiting the whole neurologic system and the current understanding of how everything works, that was yet another level. So the more we learn, uh, I think the better we become. And who doesn't want to be an inter- eternal student? That's certainly my goal. Great. Yeah, Super. that's great
0: advice. Well, I think this is a good place to end it. I really I re- I really appreciate taking the time. I think you've had a pretty unique uh Unique career path and and having a small practice like that is certainly yeah
1: being being a, a different pretty much a solo uh, practitioner. And age, uh, we have a very uh, small, slow practice, and uh, it's very rich and it's very enjoyable. I know my my staff really enjoys all the um, complementary therapies too. They're always asking questions and learning as well. But Neil, thanks very much for having me on.